0: Welcome in. It's who does what? Tom Hackett, Steve Bartle with you guys, as always. Thanks for tuning in. Big shout out, of course, to our good friends, uh, Nate Wade Subaru. Just uh, boy, five minutes from downtown Salt Lake City. They're on Main Street twelve oh seven South Main Street to be exact. Uh, they've got they've got some specials uh, right now actually, and uh, I want to get to them quickly. I received an email with a new copy of these deals, and it would be wrong for me to uh, not share them with you. So uh, they, they, here you go. Okay. So I I guess October, the month of October is uh, Subaru loves pets month, which is kind of neat. Uh, And this year, uh, Nate Wade Subaru is proud to help some of the underdogs, if you will, find new homes. So, if uh, NetWeight Subaru believes that all pets deserve a loving home, as I hope all of our listeners do. And this month they're returning some of the love that our pets give us by donating $100 to the West Valley city animal shelter for each pet adopted during the month of October. So that's a pretty cool uh, project that Nate weight Subaru uh, dealing with, dealing with right now. They're, they're sharing love to uh, pets that need new homes. So, uh, head down to, to West Valley City Animal Shelter. Pick yourself up a new doggy during a pandemic. It'll help you out mentally. And, of course, if you're in need of a car, just, just go down to Nateway. We were down there, um, boy, a couple of weeks ago, Steve, and, and, mm-hmm. and that that parking lot, uh, that car park there is 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 dwindling with cars. Yeah. I mean, they, they are selling vehicles uh, quickly during the pandemic, which oh, is yeah. great. I mean, they're helping out you, the consumer, by lowering their prices uh, drastically, they understand the economy isn't quite as good as it once was, uh, and so the, the prices on cars now are really as good as they've ever been. And uh, the people out there, the consumers, uh, are buying them. So if you're in need of yep. a new car, look, winter's just around the corner, and so it's a great time to get a new car. Get something safe, uh, reliable, so that when the snow falls, you can get around town, uh, head out into the mountains, do what you need to do. Nate Wade Subaru is uh, the place for that. But nonetheless, we do have football talk. To get to as well, Steve, uh, there was a uh, rather impromptu media availability. And I must admit, I missed it um, at 7.57. I don't know what time the email came. Normally, Paul's really good about this. So I'm not, this isn't like a, a bash on Paul by any stretch. But normally, he gives you like a day's notice, you know, as yeah. to when there's media. And, uh, and that's kind of him because I think that's how it should be done. But today, uh, there was this impromptu media availability of course it was it was pretty well known full camp for utah started today uh but at 757 an email came through saying hey at eight twenty, so in 23 minutes time uh we've got uh car whittingham morgan scally and uh, andy ludwig that you guys probably won't speak to uh and, and of course yeah. uh, i don't want to blame freddie you know bubbles my seven month old or anything but he has uh, stuff he needs to get done uh, at that Selfish hour of little the morning guy. Yeah. yeah 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 don't have kids um <laughs> Uh, so I, I actually, I missed, I, I will admit, I wasn't able to get on the call, but you uh, are a much better worker than I am. And uh, you see every email that comes through. Uh, I, I don't have my email notifications on for a reason. Uh, uh, Too kind, Tom. No. You were on the call, Steve. So I guess before we, before we get anywhere, let's talk about that. There is... Uh, the depth chart that we'll break down as well. Uh, and of course there's a, a few extra curriculum activities uh, or notes that, that we'll also get to, but let's start with that media call brief me and, and all of our listeners, Steve, if you will, with, uh, with what went down with kind of the three big dogs in that facility.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I appreciate the uh, the compliments about my uh, my email preparation and, and understanding of how that works, but I, <laughs> I didn't know about it until this morning too. Like, I was set ready to go for uh, a round of eighteen, and and then here comes that email. But anyways, uh, so today we met with uh, with Ludwig, with Scally, and and Coach Whittingham, uh, and uh, it was brief. Uh, it was about ten minutes apiece, which allowed for I think five, maybe six, seven questions uh, per per interview. So uh, pretty quick process. Um, And I think it was just – it was good to see the coaches. It was good to have them uh, and and hear from them, uh, first and foremost. Like, it was good to hear them talking about football things and and just kind of where they're at. And they kind of just set the table for us and where they're at as a program and kind of what they're looking forward to, you know, in camp and and what they've got to accomplish. So, uh, you know, overall it was – it was quick. It was easy. It was it was good to hear from them, and and we've obviously we've heard from Witt um, multiple times over the last few weeks. Uh, but uh, to, to to specifically hear from Ludwig uh, and Scally in particular were, was both really uh, both was were really really good to hear from.
0: Oh, that, that's good, and um, uh, I should note uh, I heard that uh, Scally had kind of changed. Well, you know, the whole scandal went down, and and, and his job was in the air uh and then and then he was obviously reinstated uh and i heard he he had been quite shocked by the entire scandal as i think anybody would yeah. um and he was certainly quieter around the facility and then you know i spoke to a number of people that said you know the first couple of weeks there he just kind of kept to himself you know said hi to people but that was the extent of it and just tried to go about his business, stay under the radar. If you're on social media, or Twitter, especially, you probably, probably noticed that yeah. your, Scally hasn't popped up on your feed in quite some time. He stayed off that. Uh, that was kind of the source as to how the entire scandal began. So, uh, But I guess uh, the, the, the good news is he's, he is back to a certain extent, of course, to his o- old ways. He, he's mm-hmm. always been one um, that ha- that has had a lot of energy, uh, and he kind of bounces off the walls uh, despite being, I think it's his birthday today, too. So happy birthday, Coach Scally. Um, or it was yesterday, but, but regardless, yesterday, yeah. yesterday, he's 40. Is he 41, Steve? 41. There you go. And uh but, yeah, 41. But forty-one years of age, uh, and he kind of has the energy of like a 12 year old. Uh and I, I say That's that with impressive. with respect, of course, because yeah. you know, most 41 year olds, hell, I'm 28 and I feel like I'm 41, and uh I, I can barely <laughs> yeah. get off the couch these days. <laughs>
1: I, like, uh, it's it's awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I
0: love to I, I really love the thought of walking 18 on a golf course, but let me tell you it never happens <laughs> no. I'm jumping in that car. <laughs> no. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> so uh, so anyway, ha- I guess my question to you would be: Was he? Uh, and again, again, when, yeah. when they when they speak to the media, they kind of put on this persona. So, sure. so he's not the same character he is normally uh, with the players and the coaches bouncing off the walls. But was he? Did he seem more like himself to the media today, Steve?
1: Yeah, I thought so. Um, you know, he opened up. Uh, <laughs> like uh, the first question went to Dirk, like it always does, and the first thing he says before even Dirk. Uh, Dirk Facer asked this question he you know he just he hopped on there and was like Dirk we're back in football it's awesome and and it was good to see that from him but you know he he had the opportunity to kind of talk about um that whole that whole situation that whole process of coming back to the program once the investigation was uh was complete um you know and he talked about that it was it, he said it was a blessing first and foremost uh, to have gone through that. Um, and he's just happy to be with the players again. Um, but he he talked about and and uh, and shared with us that there have been a lot of, I don't want to say difficult, but a lot of uh, open conversations, open discussions about race and and about different things, and just being more um, thoughtful and and um, and careful with, with things that he does. And he just, you know, he was very open about um, just kind of being remorseful and you like, you could, you could see it as he talked about it. Like he, he did. I I think he's learned from this. I think that he'll grow from this. Uh, But I think he's committed to doing what he needs to, in order to uh, make sure that the relationships between he and his players, um, you know, are, are in a good place. And I think for the most part, uh, it sounds like that's that's the case that Scally is is doing what he needs to to ensure that you know him and his players are good and 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 I think that's you know if you're a fan wondering what's going on, I don't think that you have anything to worry about with Scally and what this might mean um with him and the players and recruits like i I think Scally is going to. Like I said, I think he's going to learn from this, and I think he's going to come out better from all of this. But yeah, took the, opportu- the opportunity to, to kind of address it and kind of talk about the process coming back to the program once the investigation was complete, and, um, and, uh, and he's really kind of, I think, taking it upon himself to really um, do what he needs to to, to get back and, and have that respect again.
0: Uh, while we're talking about Scanley, it, it seems fitting um, to, to kind of dive into the, the upcoming defensive roster yeah. for for Utah Steve obviously they lost yeah. uh, an abundance of starters, nine starters uh, if i 'm not mistaken, just just two returning starters on the defense, uh, Devin Lloyd being one of them, and then uh, Max Tupai, I believe, is the other one, or, or Mika Tafua. Uh, actually, I think it was Mika Tafua because Max was technically a backup last year, but I believe uh, Max has had a, a ton of playing experience. He'll probably play in, in every game this year. W- was the question asked kind of just how... The defense is going to go this year. What what changes are going to be made? How do you you know how do you even start to 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 begin to prepare for replacing or rebuilding whatever you want to use, term you want to use nine starters from a year ago?
1: Yeah, Scali had the opportunity to talk about this first, and he was asked like how how difficult is it going to be to replace nine guys and um you know and he he said like we replace players every single year. It's just this year there are more and so. You know it's it's not a matter of you know we can't focus on what we lost because we have a lot of talented players in in the program and you know we've we've got guys that, that are are talented I should say they've got guys I'm not scaling I'm not saying those things I'm literally just reading down <laughs> what I wrote so uh but you know they've got they've got talented players and and they've got to get them to a, a place where they feel comfortable um, with Uh, their technique with their assignments and with playing physical football. And I think that's kind of the the big question mark, particularly in the secondary, there's plenty of confidence in the defensive line Um, there. There's not a worry. Whittingham, you know, talked about that's still going to be a strong suit. And frankly, like who can, who can say no to Whittingham when it comes to the defensive line. And you look at the depth chart and my goodness, it is stacked. Um, you know, they're going to have a heavy rotation of players. uh, And it'll be fun to kind of see them utilize those guys on the depth chart. Uh, And then they've, you know, they've got experience on the inside at defensive line. So they feel confident there. They feel comfortable with the defensive line. There's optimism about the linebacker position. uh, And Scali, both Scali and Whittingham have taken the time uh, today. and, And I heard Whittingham talk about it earlier this week. Andrew Mataafa has uh, really kind of, he's always struggled with, with weight, um, putting on weight. And some guys just have that blessing, right? Some guys are just blessed with a sick metabolism where they can eat whatever the hell they want and they don't gain a pound. Whereas some of us really struggle just looking at food and, you know, we, we take a taste and it seems like we put on 10 pounds. It's not a gripe. I'm not griping right now. I'm not complaining about it, but, it, you know, it's just the reality of life. And Andrew Matafi he doesn't have to deal with that struggle. He doesn't know what it's like to be me, to be l- looking at food and just struggling, looking at put on pounds. But Andrew Mottaffi, he's you know he's he's stepped up. He's been responsible. He's put on weight and he's maintained his weight. So uh, both Whittingham and Scally have have talked uh, have talked about that and how impressed they are with him finally putting on the weight and and there's optimism that he's going to take a big step forward. And you know there's there's youth. Um, in in the linebacker group, um, but with with Lloyd, there's a lot of confidence in his ability to to take a step forward and kind of lead that group. Uh, so they're they're optimistic. And then you know, obviously with the secondary, with what they replace, uh, the talk has been all about Clark Phillips, and rightfully so. Uh, he's come in with the, the mentality of a player that wants to play early, uh, it, which is something that Scally talked about. Um, and so. You know they. they you know it's it's going to be a work in progress. They're not going to be they they won't hit the ground running in week one or week two. But this thing will get better, and by the end of the season, this this defense uh, will will look quite good, in my opinion.
0: Uh, I do want to get to a few depth chart conversations and, uh, yeah. and we'll start with the defense because that's kind of where we're, we're talking about and then we'll, we'll transition to the offensive side but I, I do want to preface and a lot of the fans already know this but um the depth chart is something that um will change frequently uh and yeah. the media and the fans will not have access to those changes that's just uh look there's uh, there's a number of reasons why why Kyle Whittingham has been as successful as he has been. I, I personally believe that that one of those reasons is the gamesmanship uh, that he utilizes uh, at Utah. Look, he's very very secretive when it comes to positional changes, when it comes to depth chart movement. He he just he doesn't want to give his opponents. Any any advantage mm. um, is is what it all comes down to, and so mm-hmm. uh, because of course this this depth chart. If you if you haven't seen it yet, just go to utahutes.com and You can find it on there. Uh, and of course, you know uh, opposing teams are not fools. They'll go and have, they'll look. Yeah, Arizona are going to be on this right now. You know they're probably mm-hmm. what, looking at this depth chart uh, the second we're talking about it because it was released this morning and so now they can they can they they feel like they can prepare for certain players when you know the game comes around and for example right let's just let's just start with with clark phillips he is listed as a a a, uh uh, he's listed on the two deep he's listed Mm -hmm. as a a second string nickelback behind malone mataeli uh the sophomore and i have a really hard time Wrapping my head around somebody like Clark Phillips III not starting against Arizona. Anywho, I digress. We'll start on the defensive <laughs> line, Steve, and then we can we can kind of go from there and jump in. I'm just going to kind of rattle through and jump oh, in whenever you want me, ahead. whenever you want to, yep. and 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 pipe up. We'll start at uh, the the left end, left defensive end, Mika Tafua. Uh, no surprises there. Your your nose guards, if you will, uh, Tao and Moala. Um, and, of course, your right end, your de- right defensive end, Max 2piE. Now, linebacker, uh, we'll start Rover. That's Nephi Sewell. So he transitioned kind of from safety. Uh, he mm-hmm. was like a hybrid, wasn't he? And, and I guess yeah. they put him at, at linebacker for this year. He's uh, six two twenty five. and you talked about... Andrew mata Arfa and his, uh, I guess, struggle when it comes to weight. Well, he's listed at 6'3", 225, which is the same weight as Nifar. So now I will say the key here is to keep the, the, maintain the weight throughout the season. It's, right. it's, it's pretty yeah. easy to maintain the weight through the off offseason, uh, but then the season hits and, and it gets a bit trickier. So we'll keep an eye as to how Andrew mata Arfa handles that. Devin Lloyd, no surprises. We're in the zero. This year's your Mac linebacker alongside Hayden Fury. That's a name. We haven't uh, really, really heard of so far. And I'd love when I get done speaking about this uh, for you to, yeah. to share your thoughts on, on, on Fury and what yeah. you fans can expect on that Bronson Boyd's listed at uh, left cornerback position with uh, J-Tra-V- Travis Broughton is on the right-hand side, Nickelback, Malone Mataele uh, and of course Clark Phillips is, is listed on the 2D, which I'm not buying personally. RJ Hubert and Vontae Davis, your safeties. I do also want to add that uh, Devin Kafusi. Uh, and a lot of fans in the state of Utah will recognize that name. Obviously, he was uh, uh, pinched, if you will, from, from BYU during the offseason. He's uh, best friends, for whatever this is worth, with Britton Covey. They played mm-hmm. uh, at Temp U together, and, and they're very good. He's listed as the fourth option at uh, defensive end. Which is end. crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, and we're talking about a guy that's six seven, two seventy. 270. He's played in uh, 25 games, yep, 25 games, mm-hmm. started three of them for the Cougars. He's a junior, so of those games in which he played, he was a young'un, uh, and he's kind of grown into, into his prime, if college prime, uh, right, right now entering his junior. listed as the four uh, behind Blake Keithy, who's uh, Brian Keithy's brother, and yep. Van Fillinger, of course, the freshman out of Corner Canyon, is uh, very highly talented. Was once committed to Texas, flipped late, and is on Utah's roster. So, uh, anyway, let's let's just start wherever you want. That's kind of the breakdown of the defense, Steve. Yeah. You, you 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 tell me where you want to start, yeah. and I'll follow.
1: No, I mean let's let's take a look at these defensive ends. You Utah literally has four guys at left end and four guys at right end and none of them have the same name like they are so deep at defensive end it is unbelievable and all of these guys are talented like i was i was just talking to somebody last night about devin kafusty and um and kind of his transition from byu and coming to utah he really just kind of needed a fresh start getting out of byu um and since he's been at utah like he's been unbelievable from, from what I was told. And so he's worked hard and to see him listed fourth, uh, man, that's, that's surprising. But I think, again, it speaks to the depth that they have at defensive end um, where you have eight guys that you, I think, feel obligated to list on the depth chart because all of them can contribute. I think that's, that's unreal. So I, I think to me, that's, that what's that's what stands out the most, not just on the defense, but on on the roster as a whole is just the depth that they have at defensive end. Really excited to see how they utilize these guys because you've got Mika, you've got Maxis, who have you know kind of proven what they're capable of, but then you have some young talent, Mickey Sugaturaga, Van Fillinger, and then I you know I, I'm excited to see Blake Keithy. When when him and Brant were being recruited, Utah was focused on Blake more so than Brant which, you know, speaks to how highly they thought of him. So uh, excited to see him. And he's kind of had – he's had a rough go of things with, you know, with his – with injuries and that kind of thing. So I think that'll be a a pretty cool moment to see him actually dress and and hit the field. Like I'm excited to see that moment uh, for him just because of everything that he's had to go through since he's been here. So uh, the defensive end is great. Like what they have there. Uh, Defensive line – uh, kind of surprised to see Tanoa Togiai. Not too surprised, though. Uh, more surprised that we don't have Samisi Lawaki, who was uh, supposed to, you know, there was uh, a lot of talk about him uh, coming into this season, uh, potentially taking a big step forward as a defensive tackle. Um, and he's not listed on the two deep. And like you said, Whittingham is, is known for, for gamesmanship with the depth chart. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, But, you know, and you could probably speak more to this, but I had uh, somebody tell me that, you know, depth chart, at least for the guys in the program, is about like a lot of it is just about sending messages, both good and bad, uh, to reward those that have worked hard and, you know, to motivate those that, that maybe haven't.
0: Well, uh, I sure. do want to add, Steve, quickly, uh, like this depth chart we've received as as media members and, and as the general public, um, yep. like this won't get updated. Uh, maybe they'll update it before the season. They might mm-hmm. update it once during the season, but there have been years they haven't updated it at all. Uh, yeah. As a player in the locker room, you walk in every day. And and there's a new depth chart, and it's updated on the wall, mm. pinned in the locker room, and so there are constant changes being changes. made. There you go. Yes, it's just uh, it's just the depth chart that we that's seen from a player's perspective in the locker room is not shared with uh, members of the media for the gamesmanship reason. Uh, you and I have both spoken about, so I do I do want to add mm. that to people. Uh, this isn't like the players kind of you know are stuck. You know, Devin Cafusi's now stuck at the 4D. Right, at 4th. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for six months. And that's not how it, it, it operates. He he will be moved. Uh, however, his performance in, in practice. Kind of, um, kind of speaks for itself, I guess. So, anyway, go ahead. I, I, do want to also add quickly. Peter Tonga is a guy that I think will also get playing time. He's listed yeah. uh, behind uh, Vianney Moala uh, at right tackle right now, um, and he's played in, in 34 games. He's entering his senior year, so I, I think uh, the thing, What's beautiful about the depth chart, uh, and specifically at that on that defensive line, Steve is is there's so much um, movement that occurs throughout a game. You know, they're constantly subbing in and out. Uh, trying to keep guys fresh on the defensive line, uh, and Utah's fortunate in the sense that they just have so many options, and they have options every year. This isn't something new. Yeah. Other teams out there, you know, the Arizonas of the world, they they don't have this luxury um, that that Utah does specifically on that defensive line. And and if you paid any attention and you haven't just followed the football uh, over the course of however many years, you, you, you'll see when Utah's defense is out is out there. I mean, the defensive yeah. line, there's like three guys every single play coming on and off, unless, uh, of course, the opposing offense is running a hurry up. Then, then of course, they're, they're kind of stuck. But uh, the second that that offense, the opposing offense huddles, there's movement, there's shifts. Defensive line, three at a time, four at a time. I mean, it's, it, it's quite fun to watch.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And and with this amount of depth, like you're going to be able to do that, you know, quite a bit. So I'm excited to see kind of what they do and how they utilize things. They can do some fun stuff if they elect to do that um, and really kind of utilize this depth. And with this season where, you know, it like, yes, it counts, but no, it doesn't. Um, uh, you know, you can utilize more players if you elect to do so. I think Whittingham has already talked about that. Like it won't necessarily impact you know the best 11 on the field on offense and defense but with special teams um you know it's it's going to help there so uh, i would love to see the defense utilize some some special packages with different personnel groups to utilize this depth um that would be uh that would be really fun to see and i want to get to the secondary it's so hard not to talk about the defense line just because of the depth there but the secondary how do you think that's going to shake out tom like how, how do you like we talked about Clark. Like I think you and I are on the same page. Like we expect him to start. Who do you think the other two cornerbacks are?
0: Uh, well, I think Bronson Boyd is is somebody that's more than capable. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think uh, I think he really does show a fair bit in, in in practice from what I've seen and from what I've heard. So I I do believe number eight is going to be yeah. a, a a staple, if you will, on that defense specifically at at the cornerback position. Um, and then I think the other side, uh, mm. when you look at uh, Broughton and Marks, I mean, they're kind of two guys that you just don't you don't know. And you're kind of mm. going to, for me anyway, you're going to hold your breath and, and hope that uh, they can hold their own. Uh, and then, of course, Clark Phillips, I think, is going to start at Nickelback. And I, I do want to say, I remember speaking of Witt, uh, I believe it was uh, – I can't quite remember the game, but it was last year at some stage. And I remember talking to him about the nickelback position versus the cornerback position. Uh, And Whittingham mentioned that he's a firm believer – the nickelback position, and he said this publicly, and so maybe I'm not breaking any news, but the nickelback position is actually a harder position to master than yeah. the cornerback position because as a corner, you know, you're on you, – you have a sideline that you can mm-hmm. use as your friend. Uh, whereas at nickelback, you're kind of right sandwiched in between all of the chaos, you, you know, and, and you don't have a sideline. You, you, you're more along – the 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 hash marks and so uh you've got to be very very good and 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 specific and detailed within your craft to master the nickelback position more so the, now, look, both positions are incredibly difficult. You could argue outside of the quarterback spot. They're probably, nickelback, cornerback, two hardest positions uh, on, on any football yeah. field. Um, just because you're on an island, you're one-on-one mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Utah loves to play some press man on the outside. Nickelback, you've got a ton of room. You, you're, you're going up against some of the faster, craftier, uh, s- smaller wide outs, bigger tight ends. You know, it's just uh, so... So, yeah. so uh, it doesn't surprise me. Clark's playing nickelback. They value Clark very, very highly, and um, yeah. he's filling the shoes of 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 javelin Gidry, who uh, who is as fast as they come. I mean, he ran the second fastest forty at the combine. Uh, I think he ran like a four two nine or something. Yeah, stupid. So. Um, so that's kind of my thought on it. What about yeah. you? But I mean, what do you make of what, what do you make of of, of Broughton and, and Marks, and do you think Boyd's going to be the guy at one of the cornerback positions?
1: Yeah, no, I I agree with you, and I, I think I've 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 mentioned this to our our youth zone board and, and you know our members there that you know I I kind of view that Boyd Broughton and and Phillips as kind of the the favorites, and then you got Mataeli. I think those are your four. I think those are are the top contenders for your cornerback positions. And to your point about nickelback, like the game of football is evolving where you, the slot position, like you're going to see a variety of players and you've got to be really, really good in that slot. And, and at that nickel position, because one one play you'll, you'll go up against a guy like Brent Keithy, the next it'll be a Britton Covey. And then the next it'll be a Samson Nakua, and And so you got to have a really talented player in that slot position. And, and I think Utah wants to have, I think they would love to have Phillips in, at, at nickel. He's a player that I think they, they can trust because of his ability level and his willingness to put in the work. Um, and, and, you know, this, I, we talk a lot about Phillips, but, you know, I remember talking to, to coach Shaw and uh, about Malone Matteelli and the progress that he's made. And since he's been here, he's made a lot of progress from year one to year two. He said, Matale was the most improved in the group. Um, and so, you know, he's going to make this a competition, and I think that's going to be the determining factor is, you know, if, if Monteele can prove to be the guy in the nickel, does that move Clark Phillips to outside? Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But I, I look at those four guys, Bronson Boyd, Travis Broughton, um, Malone Monteele, and Clark Phillips as the top contenders. Fabian Marks coming into the program as, as a freshman, uh, and to be listed on the two deep is impressive. He, com- uh, he comes from a, from a football family. His, he had a brother play at Alabama, uh, which speaks to just their ability level. And so uh, and you see it in his tape, his high school tape. He plays the game with good technique and good instincts. And so um, it is surprising to see him there. But once you understand like his story and his background, it makes sense. Um, a little bit surprising not to see uh, LaCrea Pleasant-Johnson um listed on there but i think uh he's still listed on the roster at 170 pounds i i know a lot of fans are are excited to see him but he's kind of in a uh, similar situation as as uh as andrew mattoff where he's you know he's got to put on a good amount of weight before you know the coaches can trust him out there on the field because it's not just you know pass coverage like at utah you've got to be really good in run support you got to be physical and so I, I think uh, lpj needs to needs a little more time to to get where he needs to be physically in order to to really be counted on uh, but there's a lot of there's a lot of talent here that's for sure and 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 the coaches have uh, a tough job sort it down to four then to three and, and name their starters but it'll be fun to see how this all shakes out
0: is is, is Nate Ritchie gonna gonna put pressure on, on Vontae Davis at that strong safety we're talking about Vontae Davis, who's played in 28 games now, yet mm-hmm. he, yet to start a game. You know, a lot of right. those games he's been played on on special teams. Uh, but he is a senior. Uh, mm-hmm. So he's been at the program now for, for for quite some time. Nate Ritchie, just a freshman at a lone mm-hmm. peak. Uh, you know, but he's, he's 6'2", 200. Vontae Davis is, is six foot one ninety. So Nate Ritchie has a bigger, bigger body already as just a freshman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, he was a highly talented kid at a lone peak, was... Thought for a while there to be to be going to Stanford, uh, but uh, but ended up coming to Utah. Is he is he going to put some pressure on, on Davis to potentially play at strong safety if Davis isn't careful?
1: Yeah, yeah, I I fully kind of expect Richie to push for that starting job. Legitimately push for that starting job. He was he was recruited to come. He was recruited to to do exactly that. And so um, you know I think. I think obviously with his experience uh, at Utah uh, is uh, puts him in a favorable spot and talking about Vontae Davis. I think that'll, uh, you know, I think when you're you're starting out the season, um, I think, you know, you, you want to uh, have the guys out there that you, you know and, and trust understand their responsibilities. And I think with the time that Davis has had in the program, um, you know, he's gotten a limited amount of time on defense. He's played in a lot of games and most of that is special teams, but he has gotten time on defense. Um, and that'll, that should benefit him. You hope that that benefits him now. Um, but I do think ultimately that we'll see Nate Ritchie, uh, at some point this season, take over that starting strong safety spot. And he's tailor-made for that position. Uh, he's big. I remember, you know, walking past him. I think we talked about it on the show back in the summer. You know, I was at a, uh, seven-on-seven event down in Utah County um, and saw Nate Ritchie there. And my goodness, he's, he's 6'2", um, and he's, he looks like uh, a strong safety should look. And he's got, you know, with his athletic background playing in soccer, he's got quick feet, uh, which will, you know, allow him to be effective in, in different coverages, man coverage, uh, hits like a Mack truck, and uh, just he, he's got a lot of traits that you want in, in a safety prospect. And so, um, you know, I do think Davis has things that, that he brings to the table. He's, he was recruited to Utah as a cornerback, groomed at safety, and so he's, he's got ability in coverage. That'll be a fun battle to, to watch, or we can't watch it, obviously, but to hear about um, and, and to just to kind of see how it all unfolds. But um, but ultimately, I think Richie uh, ends up taking over that starting job at some point this season.
0: Uh, we've spent a lot of time in the defense, and, and people out there are going to be itching to to hear our offensive breakdown. Oh, no, today. let's
1: but, – but defense, can't, defense, defense. Uh,
0: we can't quite get to, uh, to the offense. And defense. Oh, we can get to the specialists. All right, we'll save that. <laughs> best to last, we'll save that Oh, the yeah, end. there we go. Uh, but I did ask you uh, a few minutes ago now, Hayden Fury, the sophomore, 6'2", yes. 225, he's the starting – mac linebacker uh, alongside uh devon lloyd who's also listed as a mac linebacker and, and of course nephi sewell the rover what what, what do you know I, I, again i i don't follow recruiting like you yeah. do and so i just i i'm sure myself many others out there are quite unaware of of the name hayden fury where'd he come from and and what do you make of this
1: so he's from westlake Sar- saratoga springs um Athletic. Like he's 6'2, 225, but this kid is athletic. And and I think he's really kind of impressed. And he is a walk on. He was a walk-on anyway, or is still a walk-on. But I think ultimately this is a guy that, you know, I think potentially earns his way into a scholarship. And uh, and that would be tremendous and for him, for his family. Um, but this kid uh, is, is a legit option. I, I know people are going to look at him as a walk-on and just kind of keep scrolling down the roster, uh, but Hayden Fury is definitely somebody to, uh, to, to keep in mind because Coach Whittingham has talk, talked about him, mentioned, specifically mentioned Hayden Fury, I, I think, twice now in interviews over the last couple of weeks, uh, which I, that speaks a lot to uh, the impression that he's making uh, he's now entering his I, I think this is his second year in the program uh, but this kid uh, very athletic uh, and and I think under coach Swan who's kind of proven that he's able to get you know guys ready guys prepared um, I think that's a, a very good marriage between player and and coach uh, where I think uh, you could see Hayden Fury develop into uh, a guy that Utah can count on to provide good reps if if need be at some point this season or or down the road uh,
0: let 's transition uh, steve yeah. to to the offense um, and, and of course the quarterback battle that that 's going to be widely speculated throughout the course of, of camp as we approach uh, November, what is it, 7th, I think, uh, or 6th, one of the two, again, when they when they host Arizona, in front of an empty Rice-Eccles Stadium. Uh, we'll save the quarterback talk to the end. Uh, okay. I'll start on the offensive line. Look, uh, Nick Ford's going to play left tackle, which I think is interesting. Uh, Braden Daniels is going to play left Guard. Now, he's uh, he's in front of Keaton Bills, who is a redshirt freshman. But man, let me tell you, you and I have heard nothing but really, really good things yeah. about Keaton Bills. And so we need to talk about that battle at left guard. Orlando Aman is going to continue his role as center. Johnny Maia at right guard. Uh, that's also another interesting subject to talk about. He... Was tested at times last year, and I think uh, we could both we could both say that uh, he did some good things. He also struggled, so he's a question mark. Uh, and Simi Moala is ahead of Big Bam Olaseni still at mm. right tackle uh let's start there let's just before i go through tight yeah. ends and and running backs and wide outs let's just start on the, the there are a lot of questions on that offensive yeah. line and and i think we start with nick ford at left tackle to be fair uh and i'll i'll be pretty blunt and say that when nick ford played left tackle last year when when he when he kind of made the move uh and, and jumped i thought that uh that that he didn't he didn't do great i think he's more of a guard uh, personally but uh, he's he's starting at left tackle. Uh, of course, they're trying to replace uh, Paulo. The uh, mm-hmm. the 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 he was like a three year starter there yeah. there at, at left tackle and kind of bounced uh, from right tackle to left tackle. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. uh, Nick Ford, do you think he's up for it?
1: You know, actually, i I think I think Nick Ford is. I think he's up for it, and and I I say this. Um, you know, with the understanding he's he's dropped weight. Um, he's down to about, I think, what is he like three twelve now, three fifteen, something like that. They uh, list whereas, him at three fifteen. Yeah, three fifteen. Whereas last year he was up around three twenty-five playing inside a guard. So he's dropped weight, and obviously with that time uh in, in the strength and conditioning program, that will also help um, you know, with that with that weight loss. Uh, in in just being a little bit quicker, and I think that's kind of the advantage that Ford has. Um, that will be kind of refreshing to see. Darren Paulo was a giant; like he was huge, had the longest arms I can I've ever seen. Um, like his length was a big asset, but he wasn't the most nimble. He wasn't the most mobile guy. He, like once he got going. You know, he, he moved really well. He can move really, really well, moving straight forward. And and, once he gets going, uh, but in terms of changing directions, um, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of that, uh, from, from Paul last year. And that's something where Nick Ford, he's got a little bit more athleticism, um, where I think that'll be his, his strong suit, his, his asset, his weapon here is, he's a little bit more athletic. And I think that'll kind of fit well at left tackle, um. And so I'm, I'm interested to see how it works. Uh, I, did, I remember, you know, last year, so last summer going into, into the 2019 season, I did a little breakdown on Nick Ford because we were all just kind of wondering what he was about. So he played at right guard, left guard, and then right tackle. And I kind of did the comparison uh, between, you know, how he performed um, and understanding that he didn't know he was going to play right tackle against Washington until the day of the game. Um, you know, he, he did, he fared pretty well in that game against Washington at right tackle. Um, obviously right tackle is not left tackle, but, um, you know, he's, he's gifted enough athletically, um, to, to make that transition and and be an improvement over what we saw last year in in Darren Paulo, who made the transition from right tackle to, to left tackle. So, um, optimistic, uh, and certainly understand, you know, fans listening to this, I'm not trying to gas up the, the offensive line, like, there's there's reason for optimism with them but we've got to see it obviously with this group and i think uh, it starts with nick ford making that transition to left tackle if he can prove to be better there uh, that'll go a long way for this offensive line
0: yeah no no question left tackle very important position uh, blindside blocker mm-hmm. uh for whoever the quarterback is they're going to rely heavily on him all right keaton bills <laughs> big bad buster and 51 keaton bill six-four-three-thirteen. just a redshirt freshman the, uh, the 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 future for Bills is as bright as it has ever been, in my opinion. For an offensive lineman at Utah, is he going to be able to pinch that left guard spot and beat out seventy-one Braden Daniels, who started fourteen game for
1: U- games for Utah already? Man, that's going to be a a battle for sure. Uh, I think Braden Daniels; uh, he's got a lot of physical gifts uh, and uh, just has some things that he's got to work on with his technique. He tends to to headbutt a little bit too much and lead forward a little bit too much. It gets out on its toes a little bit too much, which kind of gets him off balance. Uh, but Keaton bills, like there's when he returned from his mission last year, there was a lot of optimism once he got back into the program and, uh, there was excitement for him, his ability to kind of assume a role, um, last year. Unfortunately, he had an injury in camp that limited him, Uh, and so there's plenty of, of optimism with, with, uh, with Bills. He played offensive tackle in high school and made the move inside. Um, and so that will be interesting to see. And I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not entirely sold. Like we talked about the depth chart, uh, like we may see Braden Daniels at left guard and we may see Keaton Bills at right guard, you know, in the starting five. I think Johnny Maia listed at right guard, uh, was interesting to see, but I think, that speaks to to him. He was the he was the guy that earned the starting job last year at right guard. Um, you know, for the BYU game, he was at right guard. Nick Ford was at right tackle uh, before Johnny Maya suffered an ankle injury and Simi Walla came in, and then you know he just kind of took over. So you know, I think that's kind of the battle um, is is between those three guys: Braden Daniels, Keaton Bills, and Johnny Maya, and and whoever the two best prove themselves like whoever proves to be the best of those three uh, I think those are, are who the guards are going to be this season
0: I, lo- I love that uh, and I was thinking right along those same lines Johnny yeah. Maia one of the nicest guys you know on the team oh, yeah. and so I, I, yeah. I, I always have a hard time kind of uh, you know, and not that anybody that I I, I um, criticize isn't nice necessarily, but Johnny Maia is really, really nice. Yeah, you know, he's like a there, nice guy. There are nice guys and there are really nice guys. Johnny Maia <laughs> yeah. is really nice. And so I, I look, I hope he succeeds, obviously. Yeah. I hope they all yeah. succeed. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if somebody like Keen Bills went to right guard. I think that's fascinating. All right, right tackle. What, what's going on here? Uh, Simi Moala uh, is a sophomore. Mm -hmm. And I think he's impressed. You know, specifically last year uh, as a freshman, uh, six Mm -hmm. seven three twelve. I mean, the man's a specimen, and he held his own at at right tackle. Uh, And he held off Big Bam Olaseni, whoever been thought was going to come in and, and 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 take over that role. Uh, but Big Bam has has had a harder time. In fact, a lot of people sure. out there, Steve, thought that you know Bam was going to do his time at right tackle, and come 2020, he was going to make the move to left tackle, uh, mm-hmm. replacing Darren Polo. Because that's uh, that. I mean, Bam was as big of a recruit as, as Utah's yeah. had in some time. I mean, we were talking Ohio State, you know, calling yeah. him. I, I've heard rumors that Ohio State called him. Uh, Urban Meyer called him. While, while he yep. was, while he was on his recruiting trip to Utah, you know, it's like, we're talking yep. about a big, big recruit six seven, three thirty five. He's a senior now and he's yep. still fighting to, uh, to, to, to play. And he's only got two sure. games under his belt. He started the game against Washington. That's that lasted maybe a series. Maybe it was, maybe it was two. I forget, but it wasn't long. It was the first quarter. He came out with that shoulder. Uh, w- w- is he ever going to live up to the expectation? <sighs>
1: Man, so he's, he's had a, a fascinating journey, to say the least. So if we remember last summer, um, we were all waiting in, in high anticipation of his arrival at Utah. And um, unfortunately, had some some things pop up with his academics coming from Garden City Community College to, to Utah, where he wasn't able to, to get to Utah until, I think, week two of fall camp, week two or week three. I can't remember exactly. But uh, so there was that. So he was late getting here. And then uh, the NCAA uh, had a weird ruling with his eligibility where he would have a red shirt year and then one season of eligibility. He's got like a crazy backstory coming from England to uh, to the States where all of that is just uh, kind of a mess. And so he's in a really interesting spot because he was, this was supposed to be it. Like 2020 was supposed to be his season. Uh, but now with the blanket waiver where he can now return next season, like it's just he's in a really interesting spot, and it, this is good for him, I think. Uh, but with Bam, uh, you know, we got to remember he. So he got the start against Washington, and part of that too was Simeon Walla had uh, injury issues. I think he had concussion issues or something like that um, throughout the week, and so that's why uh, Utah started Bam in that game. Uh, there was a lot of debate leading up to that game whether they should start Bam or not. Um, because he only had four games to play last season because of that red shirt rule. And so, you know, the, he's, he's got things that he, he needs to be better at. Um, you know, he's a, a mountain of a man. He'll be able to move people in the run game. Uh, but he's gotta be able to prove he can, uh, he can move quickly in pass protection. And he's gotta be able to, to mentally process things a little bit quicker. He's gotta move a little bit quicker. And I think that's kind of what's, uh, what he needs to, to show improvement in is those two areas of the game is mentally processing what's happening in front of him a little bit quicker and understanding that you know, he's still relatively young in the, in the game of football. Uh, and so you know, that's kind of a wild card factor. Um, but like you said, going back to his recruitment, he was wanted by programs that are known for offensive linemen. Auburn, Iowa, Ohio state. Like this was a guy where you get these traits and you get it right. Like he's a first round pick. Um, And so uh, Simi Muala was thrown in there uh, maybe a a year too soon than what Utah would have liked Uh, from a physical standpoint. He had just returned from his mission. He was in, I think this was like his 18th month at the position. He was coming here as a defensive lineman before moving to offensive line. So he, still relatively young to the position. Uh, there were a lot of growing pains uh, for Simi Moala last year, but I think he's he's learned from them. He showed progress throughout the season, um, and now he's got another year of physical development, which was the biggest key for him this offseason, in my opinion. Uh, and so that's going to be the, the, the battle uh, on the offensive line um, where you've got two really big dudes battling it out for right tackle. And, uh, I mean, you hope that Bam can put it together because he's got some elite traits um, that would really benefit uh, this offensive line. Uh, But we'll see, you know, Simi Wallace, he's, he's expected to show a lot of improvement, a lot of growth, and and that's exciting too. So, you know, this will be a fun one.
0: Well, and and you bring up the blanket waiver, which I think is very interesting. Um, You know, none, none, none of the games this year are going to count towards eligibility. Mm -hmm. So I think what we're going to see is 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 for somebody like Bam, uh, this year will tell him everything he needs to know. And if he yeah. doesn't play uh, many snaps, he, he's going to transfer next yes. year. I mean, like, let's not beat around the bush. And he's not the only right. one, but for argument's sake, we'll, we'll talk about him. He he he's not he's a senior and so he's got this yep. year uh which he which doesn't count towards eligibility until of next year, and hopefully we get a full twelve game slate in twenty twenty one. And and look, Bam's trying to play in the league, as as all these guys are, to be fair. Yep. But uh but but yeah, so so this is a big year for Bam. If if he can get some snaps. Yep. Then, then I think we see him around here next year. But, but look, if he's limited on how many opportunities he has in 2020, then, then yeah, you better believe he's he's throwing his name in the transfer portal, and somebody will pick him up. You know oh, yeah. how big of a recruit he was. Uh, somebody's going to give him a, a crack. And um, yeah. And so I think the blanket wave is an interesting subject. I'm sure we'll talk about yep. that more. All right. Uh, tight ends: Cole Fotheringham, Brant Keithy is uh, is listed either as an all. So they're kind of your two starters. I think we see. Depending on the personnel they play, you know we see both Cole Fotheringham and Brant Keithy. Brant Keithy the one, though, isn't he? From a receiving yeah. threat that that's really exciting for Utah. Cole Fotheringham hopefully can take a jump. Uh, in fact, you know prior to last season, you look at Cole Fotheringham and he was kind of the guy that was expected to make the jump that Brant Keithy did, and it was Brant that made that jump and uh, and kind of took off and 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 really really created this this formidable connection with with then uh, quarterback Tyler Huntley. So, um. And then Ali'i Nui Matalolo is is kind of on the three deep there, who, 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 by the way, is another capable tight end. I mean, sure, yeah. he's not Brian Keith, your coal fathering hand, but if something goes wrong uh, and injuries strike... Then, then Ali'i Niu, Niu part of me, is, is somebody that can come in and, and at least play a role. Uh, I think we can both agree without going into too much detail here that the running back position is going to be a back and forth affair, uh, depending on the situation. I think we see a ton of both Devin Brumfield and Jordan Wilmore. They are, they, they're two mm-hmm. very different running backs in a sense, uh, yeah. but they're, they're both very capable. Uh, I think this, from a ceiling standpoint, Steve, you look at Jordan Wilmore and... And you say, okay, he's the type of player that could be a three down back in a year or two from now. Uh, Devin Brumfield, you know, as, as good as he is, he's a much bigger uh, he's almost he's almost like a fullback, isn't he? I mean, he's quite mm-hmm. broad. Uh, he doesn't have that breakaway speed. So if get if he gets into the open, uh, he will more than likely be be chased down. Jordan Wilmore, however, has that breakaway speed. I think if we're trying to replace somebody like Zach Moss, which we are, then you look at Jordan Wilmore and you Okay, He's probably the most likely candidate of the running backs to do that. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think uh, I've gone back and and have been watching you know tape from last season and just kind of trying to find as much um, as much as I can on these two guys on Brumfield and Wilmore. And I think when you look at what made Zach Moss so good, it was his footwork. It was his ability to find, you know, the small spaces, the, the, the creases in the offensive line. And, you know, I think that's something that Wilmore showed. It may have only been six, five, eight yard gains um, here and there, but he was able to identify those small creases. Um, and with his, you know footwork with his uh athleticism he was able to to hit those you know tiny tiny holes and and, and i think that's something where um Brumfield not that he necessarily didn't show that uh, because there were instances of that for him as well but i think he's definitely more of just like the bruiser like just run it up in there and 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 grind out for as many yards as he can uh and so it, that'll be an interesting dynamic to see you know how those two players kind of figure this out. But I I agree with you. I think Wilmore uh, definitely has the higher ceiling of the two. Um, But, you know, Brumfield is definitely the safer option in terms of all around because he's since he's been at Utah, he's been labeled the best in pass pro, which is if you're good in pass protection, the coaches trust you, and that's going to keep you on the field. So um, we'll be interesting to see, but I agree with you. I think Wilmore has the highest ceiling in the group.
0: Yeah. And for and full camp can change things. It's worth knowing. Yeah. You know, if if Brumfield blows blows up and and Jordan Wilmore has, you know, an okay full camp, then maybe Brumfield starts the season getting seventy-five percent of the snaps at, at at tailback. But uh but I do think we see a lot of them throughout the course of the season. Uh all right, so normally this is interesting. Normally at the wide receiving position you kind of get these uh, you get you know your Y receiver, your X receiver, your Z receiver, and you know to be fair, there are only a handful of people that know what they even mean. Uh, this season they they haven't done that. They just listed wide receiver at three different spots. Uh, and 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 it is incredibly deep. I mean, I can't I can't remember the last time Utah had a depth. Uh, the 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 deepness, if you will, at wide receiver. The, Brian Thompson, Samson Nakua, Enos, Britton Covey, Jalen Dixon—they're kind of the t- the five standouts for me. Uh, and then and then Tyron Smith, man. I mean, we talked about him last yeah. week. I think you know just briefly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Tyron Smith is. Well, I, he he was there when I was there for crying out loud, that's yeah. five years ago. And and. <laughs> And he's the, he's the type of specimen where you look at him and you go, man, like you, you look like you can play, you know, yeah. like, you look good. You're long, yeah. you know, you're, you're fast, you're quick, mm-hmm. you're pretty sharp, uh, getting in and out of cuts. And uh, he just hasn't, he, the injury right. bug has just, gotten hold of him yeah. and suffocated poor tyron smith over the course of the last five years and and they put him on the defensive side thought maybe that'll help it didn't and now he's back on uh, where he started uh, at wide receiver he's somebody that you could you, you i hope personally i really do hope yeah. he, it pays off for him and he gets some minutes and snaps this year but but uh bright thompson steve for me is, is the guy um i think when you look at the just the overall build uh six two two o seven he's quick he's got great hands, he has a pretty good sense as to kind of how to fill pockets of space. Uh, mm-hmm. He knows how to get open. I mean, like like seriously, I mean, he's the type of player that if he can stay healthy, I- I'm a firm believer he's a top five receiver in the Pac-12 conference. And I'm a firm believer he's an NFL caliber wide receiver as well. And I don't know if you could say that about any other player maybe Solomonninus at six three two oh eight, but but he just hasn 't showcased you know, you know the ability that, that that Brian Thompson has I mean there were games last year, Brian Thompson was racking in ten catches for one hundred and twenty yards, and uh really, really impressive. What are your thoughts on on the wide receiver spot
1: overall yeah, a uh, lot of depth, like I was putting together a wide receiver piece like there are legitimately three guys at these three wide receiver positions and, and not listed here, you know, two young guys in money parks and Connor O'Toole who joined the program this summer as, as uh, as highly touted recruits. Um, and so I'm excited to see those guys. Uh, but you know, Brian Thompson, Solomon Ines, I, I agree with you in the sense that uh, Brian Thompson has showcased more of his overall ability. I, I think Solomon Ines has a similar ceiling, uh, But he's got a lot to prove. He's got a lot to to show. Uh, And part of that, too, has just been his limited amount of of opportunity on the field. Um, But I think he's got a great deal of potential. And, you know, we only got to see, like, three practices in spring. And and it was, like, six months ago. But I remember, like, just watching Solomon Enos and how he he carried himself um, in those three practices, how he – ran, you know, in practice with a little bit more intensity in those three practices uh, really kind of stood out to me. It looked like a player that, um, you know, wanted to take on a larger role, that wanted uh, to to take that step. And that was encouraging to see, you know, under, understanding the brain and how the mind works. and You know, when you know you've got a guy in front of you, um, it can be tough. Uh, it can be it can be difficult to to bring your best each and every day, but I think uh, some when they know the opportunity is there, truly there, I think they they can take a step up. And and again, this is just me speculating. Uh, I don't I don't know what Solomoninus was thinking. This is just me you know talking out loud. Um, but I think he's got a, a great deal of potential. Uh Britton Covey returning is going to be fascinating to see how they utilize him. What, what um, did what did Ludwig call Britton Covey? A guerrilla warfare player. <laughs> I don't yes. know what that means. I do.
0: <laughs> Let me explain to you what guerrilla warfare is, because I was unaware as well. But I, had, yeah, guerrilla warfare is a form of irregular warfare in which small groups of combatants, such as palam paramilitary pardon me personnel armed civilians or regulars use military tactics including ambushes sabotage raids petty warfare hit and run tactics and mobility to fight a larger and less mobile traditional military what does that (laughs) even mean steve man
1: i'm excited to see that on the field let's go Britton covey so Um, did they say
0: he's gonna line did they say he's i mean he'll line up at running back at times
1: yeah, so so Ludwig, you know, kind of shared that that they call him a guerrilla warfare player because he doesn't have a label that he's going to be used in a number of ways where you don't know where it's coming from. You know, he'll he'll take handoffs in that jet sweep. He'll take handoffs from from the backfield as a running back. He'll be used as a slot. He'll be used as an as a wideout. Uh, so he's going to be a very versatile piece. We saw a small glimpse of that kind of role with Derek Vickers last year. I think Britton Covey with what he brings to the table and we've seen it throughout his career, right? You get the ball in his hands. He can create um, using him in this type of role as, as the ultimate chess piece where you can uh, feature him uh, in a number of different ways, maybe even quarterback, right? Where he's taking a direct snap like a wildcat. Uh, It'll be really, really fun to see all the different ways that they utilize him in this offense uh, because uh, you know, Derek Vickers was productive in that role. Uh Jalen Dixon was productive in that role. Uh, but I think Britton Covey really fits this role better than either of those guys uh and really excited to see what he does.
0: Uh without kind of taking this into too too of a negative, uh too much of a negative area, it's worth noting uh, a player we saw last year during the ball game against Texas down there in San Antonio a ton at wide receiver was Terrell Perriman and, and for those that haven't been keeping up with uh w- with the happenings of Terrell Perriman he was essentially arrested uh after being alleged to rape a, a, a woman. Um, and so he was put behind bars, Steve, as you and I know. I just looked up because I hadn't kind of uh, paid much attention to this. He, he was, he's kicked off the team uh, for now, um, and I, I don't see him coming back. Uh, I don't know, though, if he's still behind bars uh, because I just saw an article. This was in April, so it was a while ago. Uh, I guess uh, his bail was reducted from 750000 to $50,000. In April so I don't know if he's still behind bars or if he posted bail uh but it's it's not looking good regardless for Terrell Perriman who's who's facing serious allegations as he uh fights mm. for for his freedom but uh but I, I just figured while we're talking about the the depth chart uh he was a player that I mean he did he he started against texas if i'm not mistaken because utah did have some injuries uh uh and brian thompson being one of them you know he was he was he brian thompson played a few snaps but but he had that knee injury he suffered against oregon state he wasn't quite there have you heard anything i guess what we're talking about terrell perriman have you heard anything about that or have you kind of just uh, fizzled out because you know I, I don't see him playing college football at utah again
1: Oh, I, I don't either. Uh, he, so he was dismissed from Utah uh, back in the spring. Um, so Terrell Perryman. There was, was another dismissed. player involved as well, Ron. Dante Banton, and and that's that's who I was going to bring up was uh, another another kid from Florida uh, who who knew Terrell. Um, Dante Banton was a pretty good recruit coming to Utah in the 2019 class. Um, he uh, he has not been dismissed um, like Perriman. Uh, He hasn't faced the charges that Terrell Perriman has, um, but he's not listed on the roster. And every time uh, Coach Whittingham has been asked about players that are not listed on the roster, uh, he has uh, basically just kind of uh, stated that uh, they're handling personal issues um, and are not listed on the roster for that reason. So, you know, we'll see. I don't know about Dante Banton just yet uh, and, and what's happening with his individual case. Um, but he has not been dismissed officially yet, so I think we're kind of in wait and see mode with with Dante Banton.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I, I hate to bring that up because it is yeah. a, a topic that yeah you kind it of cr- you cringe at, right? And um, yeah, but it's 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 part of the beast. And I just figured we're talking yeah. about the wide receivers. Terrell Perriman actually played a significant role. His future at Utah was looking bright mm-hmm. until uh, mm-hmm. he he was alleged to to rape somebody and you, you yeah. can't do that so uh nope. so we'll see what we'll see what happens but uh regardless let's talk quarterbacks steve <laughs> let's just do it already shall we we've been talking about everybody else all right uh to nobody's surprise the quarterback debt chart is this drew lisk or jake bentley or cameron rising
1: love I mean, the or man
0: Where do you want to i mean what do you
1: what are we doing or We could, uh, no, we'll, uh, I mean, this'll, this'll be, uh, this'll be uh, obviously the, the biggest priority for this coaching staff. Um, You know, I love the fact that they have Lisk listed with these guys competing with these guys, um, you know, and he earned the number two job last season. He beat out Jason Shelley for that job um, in practice uh, based on what he was able to showcase and and Ludwig really, really likes what Lisk brings to the table um, and so, uh, with all the respect, I think we can both agree that this battle will come down to Bentley and rising. Um, but I do think that they, they want to give Lisk a, a true opportunity, um, to earn the job. Um, so, uh, but with, with that in mind, I think that this will come, this will come down to Bentley and, and rising. Um, and you know, over the last, Couple of weeks, I've heard a lot of really, really good things about what Jake Bentley has has done. Uh, he's uh, shown uh, improvement in his time here at Utah. Um, I think there was concern about his mobility um, and how that was impacting his ability to throw the ball. And when he first got here to Utah, he was coming off a foot injury, a pretty pretty gnarly foot injury. At um, least and Frank, yeah, which, which is, is that's. Ooh.
0: Gianni Paul, for those diehard Utah fans. Yeah. Gianni Paul suffered a Liz Frank. And, and I mean, I'm telling you, I I uh I had like the locker that was maybe three or four down from Gianni, and I I saw that foot every day. And oh. <laughs> it is unbelievable. I mean, the lump oh. on the top of the foot was just disgusting. Oh. So Liz Frank, no joke.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a tough injury. And, but I, but Bentley, you know, he's now, I think it's over a year now since that injury occurred. Uh, And, and Ludwig said today that he's looked much better um, physically. Uh, He looks more uh, assimilated mentally with the playbook and and with his teammates. Um, And it just looks a lot better. And so uh, Ludwig did also acknowledge that you know, rising's time in the program should serve as an advantage for him. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's got the advantage overall in terms of how they view the quarterbacks, because Ludwig was very, um, uh, praised Bentley quite a bit. And I think, you know, it, who, who, like, I think it's going to end up Bentley as much as I want to see rising. Like I would love to see rising because I heard a lot of good things about what he was doing as a scout team quarterback last year. Um, but I think Bentley uh, has done enough to, uh, to earn the trust of the coaching staff. And, and, you know, but we'll see. So I'm with you. We'll see.
0: I'm with you. Uh, and I'm, I, I'm Team Rising, you know, and I've been that yeah. way. Uh, oh, I yeah. A, I have a friendship Hashtag it, baby. with Rising. Yeah. So I'm, I'm all about Team Rising. I'm a fan of number seven. And I think he's a great guy. He's uh, an incredible recruiter, my word, if, if quarterback doesn 't work out in five years' time for him. he ought to jump on some sort of recruiting team yeah. because he can recruit all right, but uh, this is what i 've heard is when you look at the run, um, the run game from a quarterback, you you give the nod to cam Rising he 's the more athletic player mm-hmm. with his feet, yep. uh, but quarterbacks aren't picked necessarily based on their ability to run the ball that 's a running back uh, Jake Bentley can make bigger throws is what I've been told. And he can put the ball in tighter pockets and uh, he's just, he's, he's better with his arm. And, and so I think that's why we see Jake Bentley uh, get the nod, but, but I will say uh, Cam rising can certainly win the job. I mean, like it's, it's, it's close, you know, it's, it's not Bentley and that's it. Uh, I think he's certainly the favorite right now. Uh, but we we also have to remember that uh, Utah's had their fair share of injuries at the quarterback spot. Oh yeah, you know, like yeah. and and, I, and am I still correct in saying the last Utah football quarterback to start and finish a, a season was Brian Johnson in two thousand and eight? Is that still
1: no correct? way? I, I have I, no idea. That's I, a fact. Well, I that, don't know. Don't is... quote me on that. There might oh, okay. It,
0: there might. Be... I shouldn't say
1: fact, but that's an interesting fact if it is indeed a fact
0: i i might have to go back and 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 look at uh the quarterbacks of the past but i mean i'm telling you when 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 brian johnson left uh john wind took over and i can tell you john yeah. wind didn't finish nope. a season uh and then there was kind of chaos when travis got there travis didn't finish a season he had injuries throughout the, t- the, the entire time yeah yeah true uh, yeah, because he, he didn't
1: start as a freshman. That's, oh, you yeah,
0: know okay. who might have? Uh, Troy Williams might have done it in twenty sixteen.
1: Yeah, because yeah, Tyler didn't play. They only had the two quarterbacks. That's right. Yeah, okay, Troy so Ty-
0: so so Troy Williams did it in twenty sixteen, and outside of that, I think that's it. Did Tyler play all of last year? He might. Have. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he didn't against. miss time last year. Okay, so there you go. Two two since 2008 that's 12 years ago regardless there's a good chance there is a good chance that jake bentley if he is the starter gets injured and cam rising would be able to would need to step up granted there are only seven games right now on paper so uh we're not talking about a 12 game stretch so maybe this is not quite like other years but Regardless, I, I, I'm excited to kind of see media isn't allowed at practice, Steve, which is going to make no. for a, which is going to make for a, well, look COVID, you know, I, I get that, but um, it still sucks. It's going it to make sucks. for a very, very interesting fall camp specifically yeah. because there is such a big quarterback controversy yeah. going on right now.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and what was interesting was hearing Ludwig and Whittingham talk about the offense and, Ludwig talked about, you know, yes, we were a run heavy team last season, but that's because we had a running back in Zach Moss. And that was the strength of our team this year. It, you, you look at the roster, you look at what returns, the strength of the team is receivers and tight ends. And you want to get the guys, you want to get those guys, the ball, that means you've got to open up the passing game a little bit. And I think that's going to be fascinating. Both Ludwig and Whittingham mentioned those two points um, separately and, 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 you know, we've, we've heard it before where Whittingham wants to throw the ball a little bit more, be a little bit more prolific. But I think this season with Ludwig, especially with how he operates as an offensive coordinator, I think it really clicks with Whittingham. Um, They, they really, you know, they're, they're two peas in a pod type of coaches and, you know, just on the outside looking in. Um, But I think uh, it's very encouraging. If you love Watching offenses that throw the ball around, that's encouraging to hear because that—that that is the clear strength of the team. Um, and so, yeah, maybe the offense is going to look a little bit different. It would be fun to see um, the offensive practice and what it looks like and, and who's moving the ball down the field and that kind of stuff. So it, it does suck that we won't get practice. Uh, availability
0: this year. Well, get excited, Steve, because it sure sounds like Utah's turning themselves into 2014 Oregon with Marcus Mariota at a the stone. helm. It's about to go <laughs> down, my friends. Uh, all right. Hey, uh, that's essentially the depth chart. That's an hour of it. So if that wasn't enough, then uh, well, just jog on. Uh, yeah. To, yeah, yeah. Keep we going. Don't, yeah. Don't come back. Uh, hey, yeah. yeah Sony Lund, you put a piece out. <laughs> you put a piece yeah. out on U uh, Zone. Uh, to kind of wrap this podcast up uh, on a negative note, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, you come back next week. But yeah, uh, Sioni Lund has uh, been struggling uh, as of late. We don't need to get into that. That's all personal, of course. But he has put his name into the transfer portal. Was mm-hmm. uh, as you you were the first one to report it, weren't you? Uh,
1: so. I was the first one to tweet it. Chris Hummer is our, our 24-7 sports national writer. He's got direct access basically to the, to the transfer portal. So he was the one that actually reported it first. I just tweeted it out here locally. So uh, he shared that with me. But, um, but yeah, I, I think uh, Sione Lund was suspended. Uh, he's been away from the team. So I don't think this comes as a surprise. Uh, but uh, just, uh, you know, to, he officially entered the transfer portal yesterday. Uh, and so he will look to uh continue his career elsewhere. And I think what fans just need to understand most is um, just just root for him. Uh like you said, there have been struggles um that that he has gone through. Um and so uh just wish him the best. Um that's all that he needs right now is just well wishes and and thoughts and and that kind of thing. So uh hopefully he finds a spot, hopefully he finds an opportunity and can kind of um get his feet back under him and get going again because he's got a lot of talent he's a great kid big heart um and, and just you know has has found a rough patch of life um at the time to- at the moment and uh you know a, a new a change of scenery can can do wonders for a kid so uh, that's what we hope for Sione for sure
0: yeah certainly best of luck uh, to Sione hey Steve uh, as always uh, you are the man
1: uh, I appreciate
0: you as well as all of our listeners. Appreciate you, Tom. Thank you, sir. Uh, I do want to quickly note that October, the month right now, is Subaru loves pets month, and this year, Nateway Subaru is doing something really, really cool. Actually, if you love pets, which both Steve and I do, uh, then and you feel like you need a pet, uh, head on down to West Valley. City Animal Shelter and adopt a pet. Uh, If you do, Nate Wade Subaru will be giving and donating $100 back to West Valley City Animal Shelter to help those guys down there as they look after uh, pets of all sorts of species. Uh, try and try and find happiness. You know, we talk about Sioni so needing some love. There are a lot of pets out there that also need some love at these animal shelters. They've been abandoned. They've lost their homes. They need somebody to love them. They're stuck in cages all day. Just go down. If you need a pet, if you need a dog, a cat, a fish, whatever it is, a turtle, just head on down to West Valley City Animal Shelter and see what they've got down there. And, of course, don't forget to visit <laughs> utahsubaru.com. Com as well you know they do because we're in the middle of the pandemic right steve um, we are
1: yes they still. do
0: they do at utahsubaru.com if you don't feel comfortable going down there then uh you can go to their website and they have these at-home test drives um which is
1: that's I mean, pretty like, cool
0: 2020 is really cool we're gonna have robots here in a minute but in the meantime
1: you've got i'm gonna i'm gonna just do that for fun once we're done recording i'm gonna go do virtual test drive from home
0: yes I'm do yes that. yes i love it uh all right steve be well enjoy your weekend play as much golf as possible same Tell to you tom we send our love and we'll be back next week see you guys